You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. Go in your Bibles to Romans chapter 15 as uh, we have this time in God's Word today. And I really wrestled with what to call this message. Give me Romans chapter 15. I'm going to pick it up in verse 13, a section that we read, but it's been a while since I've been on the pulpit, so I want to review a few things. And I'm just going to call this message Sign and Wonders, because that's what the text is saying. And I want to explain some of these things rather, rather clearly and rather straightforward. And so allow me here just to introduce this passage, to read it, and then we'll pray. So... Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound. And you're going to see that phraseology of the power of the Holy Spirit be repeated again. Verse 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder. Anybody question the Apostle Paul's boldness? I mean, he has, he has written to them boldly because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in priestly service of the gospel, the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I would not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around Elikrim, that's Italy, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ and thus make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. So Jesus, we come now to your word. We desperately need you, God. We are, we are not coming to you, God, with pride and arrogance or self-righteousness or self-sufficiency in ourselves, God. We are actually coming to you as a people that are broken, as a church in need of the blood of Christ, as people who need the filling and the baptism and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need the kingdom of God to fall afresh on us, to be sufficient, God, to bring you glory and to live even this day, let alone to minister in your name. And so, God, we ask now that you would smile upon your church gathered in your name, and that you would do all, all that needs to be done. We pray in Jesus' name. Will you say amen? amen? Thank you, thank you. So, Paul is writing here to the church at Rome, and he is now towards the end of his writings, and he's making these compliments to them, telling the people of Rome that I, I hear about your faith. And he's writing this, really a dissertation on the gospel to let them know that we are not to trust in ourselves. This would be Romans chapter 1. This would be Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3. We're all sinful, every single one of us. And we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, through the grace of Jesus Christ, in faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we're actually saved. And that Jesus Christ is God, that there's one God, 
And he's expressed himself through a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that you can have the Holy Spirit in your life. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, sealed in the Holy Spirit. And that you can have the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And all of this is because God simply loves us. It's nothing that we deserve or earn. There's no, again, self-righteousness. Paul wants to make that of an emphasis for sure for us. And now he starts out this section that we read talking about hope. And we need hope. And our community needs hope. And we're in a day desperate for the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is sufficient for that task. And so he mentions towards the end of our reading these signs and these wonders. He mentions a phrase that's common in the book of Romans, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It's actually one of the most dominant words and phrases in the entire writings here is this reference to the Holy Spirit. And so I've spoken about that at length in various texts in the book of Romans. So just for the moment, let me, let me just share a thought or two with you related to these things. As Paul will, he'll give testimony to the works and power of the Holy Spirit. And I would just say that our church has sometimes been shy and hesitant to talk about some of the more wonderful and fantastic things of, that the Holy Spirit has done with us. And, and frankly, I, I kind of sit more on that side of the street. The last thing we want to do is go beyond what is written, as the scripture would say. And the last thing we want to do is give false hope, which is what I want to talk about for a moment as we nonetheless talk about the current ministry of the Holy Spirit, the signs and wonders which are available to us in the Holy Spirit. So take, for example, some hesitancy. So one, one other, you know, just very obvious positive side. Uh, a few years ago, in the creek that runs through my house, it was flooding. And so the waters flooded the banks, and they were actually coming into the house. And so I just stared at them for a long time. That's what your pastor sometimes does when he doesn't know what to do. All right, here comes the waters, and they're coming into the house. What am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. You're coming closer and closer to the house. And so this, this rainstorm is coming, and these waters are coming closer. And so, so, you know, somewhere in there, some guys show up from the church, and we're going to start praying. They go, Pastor, we should start praying about these. These, these waters are right about to flood your house. Yeah, I, I know that. I know that. I can, I can see that. And, um, well, I think we might lose it all, or maybe we should pray. We should pray. We should pray. You know, they kind of snap me out of my doldrums, like, we should pray about this. So, so listen, so we, we sit there, we pray, and we, we just, we, I don't even remember what we prayed, but I do remember this phrase that God gave us as we were praying. The waters are for blessing and not for cursing. And don't ask me why we prayed that, other than we're being led by the Holy Spirit to pray that way. And so we start praying that the waters are for blessing and not for cursing. So God, this rainstorm is not to curse anybody in our community. It's not to destroy property. It's, it's to bless the farmers. It's to bless our community. It's, so that's, what the, that's what these waters are for. They're actually to bless us. And so, and so let these waters be a blessing. And we just prayed into that and prayed into that. And the waters began to go away. The storm broke a little bit. And then the waters were calm. And they finally stopped coming towards the house. And they were right at the house. And then they started to just go away. And all I can tell you is that we were there looking at, looking at this going, are you seeing that? <laughs> uh, are, that's right. And, and so, 
and, and okay, and okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it was like, you know, like, wow, I, that's incredible. That's incredible. You know, we're just rejoicing and we're high-fiving one another. And so we have stories to tell like that. And that one's in a very personal way. The full gospel says this, that in according to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, we can know the power of the resurrection. And if you know your Bible, you know the second phrase of that and know the fellowship of sufferings. And so the full gospel is both. And so in the same way that I would tell you that the waters went away, and, and I can tell you so many more stories, and I have one more for you right now in just a few moments. But the same way that I can tell you that, there's also the fellowship of sufferings. There's also one of my good friends that gives me the phone call. Bro, I got cancer. Come over and pray for us. And so we pray and we pray and we pray into him. Right, and I'm on this pulpit, I'm on this pulpit, and these are some of my dearest, dearest friends, and I get the call from his wife, you should come now. Not going to be long. Say goodbye to your bro. We fasted, we prayed, we had faith, and it was in God's will to take him to heaven. And that hurts. I got a few of those, as well as I have a few, more than one healing, more than one, we could talk about this, right? So we just, we were sort of just in awe of a church of a gentleman who came forward and, and, and he's not a part of our church, doesn't live in this area. He went back to his doctor, we can verify this, verify this, right? Comes forward, he's dying of a blood disorder and, and, and we just prayed and we basically prayed, okay, Jesus, just heal this guy. I mean, you know, nothing, nothing that we would have felt within ourselves of great faith or, or great signs and wonder or tremendous belief. It's like, okay, sure, you're next in line. Great, heal this guy, heal this guy, heal this guy, right? And, and we hear, and so, so he's healed instantly. And he goes to his doctor. And he comes back and goes, oh, you know, I forgot to tell you guys. <laughs> right, and there's a, lot, there's a few years time gap, actually. He realizes a few years later, he goes, I never came back to the ranch church to tell them that I was instantly healed and that I'm going actually all over the world on mission trips now telling people and telling people about the gospel and all of that. It's actually both and. The power of the resurrection to heal. The signs and wonders which Paul will talk about here in the text and also, and also this, 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 these spots in our hearts where we're like, Lord, we just give it to you because you did not do what we were asking you for. Your answer and how you answered this prayer were so different than we thought and we just give you glory, but God, we say that it hurts. So Paul talks about these signs and these wonders and, and these are signs and wonders that are, that are present for us for sure. Most of the bulk of this reading here is Paul telling the Romans about these, the fact that they are Gentiles, they're accepted in Christ, they do not need to be obedient to the law as he's, permanently, as he's mentioned beforehand, that he will continue to be this bold apostle and that he'll serve them wonderfully. He says, so that the offering that Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He's going to say that in Christ Jesus, we have reason to be proud of any work of God. For I'll not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Great word. By word and deed, by the power, signs and wonders, and power of the Holy Spirit of God. So we're going to camp there for a little bit. <clears throat> Talk about signs and wonders. Well, the first thing of a sign and wonder that I want to tell you about 
is a God's desire is to have signs and wonders present in your life right now. So you have to write that down. It is actually part of the reason why Jesus Christ died on the cross, resurrected on the third day, why he went to heaven, why, he, why we had Pentecost Sunday, is that it is God's will that he express himself in signs and wonders in your life. And it's his will that he expressed it in our church corporately. And what those look like, those are all so varied. Some are rather simple. Some are more fantastic. It's everything in between. But what you have to understand is that God wants to bring his presence into your life. That's that sign, first sign of wonder is that presence. And that's what Paul is so much getting at here as he mentions this gospel. Let's talk about this present. So in some ways, I'm going to go through a little bit of a Bible study with you rather briefly related to my Tuesday night study that I have here at the farmhouse. So my Tuesday night friends can give it up for it for a moment. You guys already heard this. So let's talk about Eden. Let's talk about this tabernacle. And uh, let's just kind of go there. So when you go to Eden in terms of the Bible, so you're going to find that, you know, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, specifically Genesis chapter 3. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, are in the Garden of Eden. The garden is a garden, a small area uh, of, of a garden that you might think in the large area, either it's a count, county, excuse me, or it's a state or something like that. It's a large area is Eden. And that would be in Iran proper. And so there's a garden in Eden. They sin. They're with God face to face. And they do what we do when we sin. They hide. And so they hide in their sin. The Bible says they take a fig leaf, which is pretty ridiculous, and try and cover themselves. But I'm sure that if we were to hear your story and your story and your story about the ridiculous ways in which you have historically in your life or in some parts of your life tried to cover your sin, you're going to say, yeah, I've done that. I've taken ridiculous things like a fig leaf or whatever, and I've tried, to, I've tried to cover my sin. It didn't work. It didn't work for our first parents. And so God comes to them, and he slaughters an animal, which we probably believe was a lamb, and he covers him with the skins. And, and, and then, his, then, then, then guess what? Then now what's fascinating in terms of a Bible study, if you know anything about the Ark of the Covenant, if you know about the Ark of the Covenant, say yay. yay. Okay, great. Everybody's watched Raiders of the Lost Ark and knows that more than your Bible, right? <laughs> I get it. I get it. Stephen Spielberg holds a day for the moment. And so, so the Ark of the Covenant is covered by cherubim, cherubim angels. Why? Why? Okay, because in the Garden of Eden, there's a cherubim angel, and, and these, these angels are, 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 are saying to this to our parents. There you go. And, and so I have this great lab dog, Lily, who's awesome, and I love my lab dog. And my lab dog will, well, she has no discernment. I hope that's not anybody here in the house. So my lab dog has no discernment with anything to eat. And sometimes I'm in my kitchen and I have to do this to her, right? Because she, she, will, she would just bug me or I'll trip over her or I just don't want her there. And because I'm cooking or my wife is cooking, guess what she does? She doesn't move. That's what a lab dog does around food, right? She's not going to move. And I have to go like this. And I've tried to train her that when we go like this, she moves. Does that work every time, church? No. Correct. No, that's the right answer. It doesn't work every time. So sometimes I have to help her out and, and, and get there. Okay, so these cherubim aims are going like this. Adam and Eve, you're out of here. And they didn't want to go. Because they can look over there and go, that doesn't look so good. This looks better. Can I have God's presence back? You have to go. You have to leave this garden in Eden. And so they cross over there, and it's so fantastic 
They want to get back that the Lord says, hey, cherubim angels, you know those flaming swords? You block them and you do not let them back in. I will send my son and he will reconcile all of this, but they're not allowed back in without the blood of my son on the cross. And so you journey in the Bible, you get to this place called a tabernacle, which is uh, Moses and all of that. And uh, this is the books of Exodus, books of Leviticus. And so we have this tabernacle. You know what the tabernacle is? The tabernacle is his tent. It's about this size. And then there's, there's, there'd be a, a screen right here. And on one side would be one thing. On this side would be another. On this more inner private court, the Holy of Holies would be the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. And then, and then there'd, be, there'd be a wash basin and then there'd be a slaughter basin. That's, that's what that is. We're going to slaughter the sacrifice. Then we can clean ourselves up. And, and this is so simple that I've actually even thought on this property down over here, maybe we should make a tabernacle. Who wants me to make a tabernacle down there? I don't know if I want to do that. But people will do that. But I want you to hear me now, church, that when we make a tabernacle, if we, if we were to do that, you're, you would come to it. You go, let's make a tabernacle. Let's make a tabernacle. Then you would bring your friends there, and you know what they would say? Well, that's really boring. That's, that's it. These are just like the cheapest tent walls in a boundary and then a cheap tent and, and then some guy looking like a priest dressed up a little bit. That's it? And the Lord is saying, yes, yes, because, because there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can make that is more spectacular than my glory when I arrive. What are you going to do for me? I need to save you. And so he creates this tabernacle now. This is part of the journey of salvation so that God's presence, that's what you want to write down back to our main point, so that God's presence will there be there. And the Bible says in John chapter 1 that Jesus tabernacled, if you like that King James Bible, and I know some of you are out there because you like to write me letters and say, Pastor, I like my King James Bible. All right, well, the King James Bible, tabernacle among us, yeah, that's a really good phrase. So it means that he was among us, and, and that is a reference to that tabernacle, that actual presence of God. And that presence of God gave such spiritual power that there was this phraseology called signs and wonders. So when the Apostle Paul mentions by the power of signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way to Lecrim, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, you have to know that everything that we're doing requires the supernatural power of God. That's a first sign and wonder. God's actual presence. Here's a second one. Here's a second one. We're going to call it salvation. It's related to this gospel, related to all of us here, I pray, related to us in a few moments. Peter would say famously in John's gospel, when there was a tense moment, and Jesus would say, do you want to go? Because everybody else has left me. You guys, you in the back over there, you want to leave Jesus? Because no, he's not popular right now. Social media doesn't like him. How about you guys? You guys want to leave Jesus? Because you know, nobody else really likes him. Nobody else thinks it's a big deal to come to church. What about you guys over here? You want to, you want to leave? You want to leave? You want to leave? He, he tells him, he goes, hey, you guys want to leave with everybody else? Because I preached my message. I preached my gospel. And everybody took off. They were here for signs. They were here for wonder. They were here for all of these other things. But now that I'm giving them some truth, now they're gone. How about you guys? 
Or what is Peter's famous phrase? This is partly how you can know that you're saved. Where can I go? You, some translators say you only, related to Jesus, have the words of eternal life. Who am I going to pray to, Zeus? Who am I going to pray to, some other God? No, no, there's, there's, there's nothing except you, Jesus. You actually have these words of eternal life. And so a sign and a wonder is when a person can actually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, when they actually are able supernaturally to comprehend the grace of God. All of the world's value system is contrary to that. So it's a supernatural work for us to realize that we actually can have the grace of God. For by grace you are saved, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, through faith. And guess what? It's not of yourselves. Paul will write it right there. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. The glory belongs to God. But for somebody to have that, for somebody to internalize that, that is a sign and a wonder. It's a supernatural work. Paul's concerned about that. He's going to make mention later on as we in the section that we read related to ministry, related to church building and church planning. He goes, I don't want to build on someone else's foundation. I want to go with those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand, which is why we speak about some of the mission opportunities in our church. God, give us boldness to go to places where people have never heard. And believe you for that. Third, we talked about the presence of God bringing a sign and wonder, the salvation of God being a sign and wonder. Third is, is we can talk about healing. We can't talk about healing. God wants to heal. I believe he wants to heal people now. People have all kinds of issues related to infirmities. Uh, the, some of the basics of that are, 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 I've just never left my root system from my pastor, Ricky Ryan, who said, hey, here's how it is. You take your Tylenol, your aspirin, and you pray. In other words, some people want to make this so diametrically opposed to how God wants to work. And so if you have a basic natural solution to something that God has educated you on and provided for you, why do you not interpret that as a supernatural miracle if God has provided something naturally to actually heal your body? Stop being stubborn. (laughs) Just straight up. That's a miracle that God has created a world by which we can actually understand chemistry and biology and that we can actually have the intelligence of how God's world works so that we can actually create things that will actually heal us. That is a supernatural work of God. And so if that's an availability to you, then you should make yourself available to all those medicinal practices that are there. And then they're simply command and delivering. I command in Jesus' name for you to be healed. And we do not retreat as gospel brothers and sisters from either one of those sides of the street. Sometimes there's that proclamation and for that healing to take place instantaneously. And we want to believe God for it. We want to pray into that. If it's more than one prayer, then we want to go there. And we'll take all of our friends, we'll pray them all the way to heaven. And one of the humbling things, which I'll tell you just personally, that I, I, I wrestle with God about is that, you know, Heaven is a true healing. That's my home. So if you let me go to heaven, let me go to heaven, right? I'm going to heaven. Who's coming with me? 
Okay, amen. Right, so we're going to, my, my job is to take us to the church through the blood of Jesus Christ to heaven. That is my truest healing. This body, and you guys have heard me talk at nausea about this, so just give me a little grace to go farther, despite how much I like to exercise, and uh, despite how much I like fitness, and despite all of those kind of things, this thing will talk back. <laughs> right? It just will. And someday, it's ultimately going to say, time to tap out, Pastor, and go see Jesus. And that will be the best day of my life. But there are signs and wonders related to healing and praying to people to be healed. And we do not in any one shape or form want to, want to shrink back from that. Four, signs and wonders. A fourth sign and wonder is what we should just call the baptism and filling of the Holy Spirit. And I just really freak out that anybody would read the Bible and struggle with some of these things, especially as Paul again says, the signs and wonders by the power of the signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, again, so that this ministry will take place. So I'm going I'm to just take you there. Listen, this is just classic understanding of the baptism of the filling of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells his tribe there, he says, don't leave Jerusalem. So can I help you out, church, and say, when Jesus says something like that, you should do it, yes? Okay, so this is, don't leave Jerusalem, for the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And you shall receive, what does it say, church? Everybody say power. power. Right? You shall receive power. And the Holy Spirit comes upon you. These are the very words of Jesus Christ. These are some of the very last words before he's ascended into heaven. And you'll be my witnesses, and he's going to mention, right, hometown, county, state, world, farthest. I'm with you all the way to the end. Yes? Acts chapter 2, right? 10 days later. Boom! This is tongues of fire. I mean, this is people instantly getting saved, and this is people instantly getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Peter, Peter publicly doing what we call an altar call so that people will respond to faith. It's very fascinating that sometimes, whether it's our church or other ministries, we'll get chipped on like, hey, how come you're asking people to come forward? Hey, how come other people aren't asking people to come forward? And you give your life to Jesus. Jesus Christ himself said that you must acknowledge him publicly. In some context, there's a public confirmation of your faith. Then in Acts chapter 6, there's a, this group of people, they, they are followers of Christ, but they are not baptized in the Spirit. They ask to be baptized in the Spirit. They get baptized in the Spirit. Life is very different for them. Acts chapter 9 with the Apostle Paul, the same basic kind of thing where Jesus comes to him and then he gets later on baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, the same thing. And then in Acts chapter 19, here is the Apostle Paul, very much like Jesus. It's with these people in Ephesus. He says, hey, have all of you heard about the Holy Spirit? Okay, now I'm asking you, church, have you all heard about the Holy Spirit? Well, they, they do something that's, that's really, how about this, church? It's really not like us in America because let's just face it, we're proud. Okay, and so here's what our pride is like, right? So we don't like to be embarrassed. So it's sort of like saying, hey, did you get the Holy Spirit? And we would tend to say, uh, sure. <laughs> I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't mean to the you know, socially, I don't want to be the dork, right? So that's a way to say that. I don't want to, I don't want to be left out. So sure, sure, I got that. We're going we're gonna to kind of be like this. So here are the people in Ephesus. They go, did you guys get the Holy Spirit? And they go, what? That's awesome. No, we don't have that. What is that? That's God. 
That's God. That's God. It's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they can baptize the Holy Spirit and they have supernatural power. And so everything that we do in our Christian life and everything that we do in ministry requires the supernatural power of God. The supernatural power. And you are going to get it because it will be placed in you through the blood of Christ. And then, and then there's graces that come to you to actually release that upon your life. Let me run for home in church real fast. There is the presence as a sign and wonder. There's salvation. There's healing. There's baptism and filling. There's also fruitful ministry. There's also the idea of being fruitful ministry. If I would pray almost anything for you, it would be that God would grace you and grant you fruitful ministry, fruit that would last all the way to eternity, fruit that would last all the way to eternity, that our church, by some just supernatural, supernatural Jesus power, Jesus power, superpower, as I sometimes like to share with you, would come and have fruitful ministry. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.